Next on BYU Sports Nation, Cougar injuries are piling up. Is a physical spring practice worth it? We go two-on-one with tight ends coach Steve Clark, and we talk Tiger Woods, what? With author Jeff Benedict. That's right. And what's the greatest performance off the bench in BYU history? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. What is up? BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, April 3rd, and College Hoops is over. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is constructing a windmill to harness nature's power. So I'm teamed up with a man who loves a cold bathtub more than most, Jason Shepard. I'm freezing today. Are you? Really, I'm free. Like because you jumped in a cold tub? No, it has nothing to do oh. with the tub. Okay, but my body temperature, like my core temperature, has been low for like two weeks. Like I can Your core is tight <laughs> because of how cold you. Maybe are. I, that's fine. I will take that. <laughs> I'm cold, and this room is normally cold to begin with. Yeah, but I'm like extra cold. I just cannot get warm. I'm normally the one more layer than the next guy. Guy, yeah, but not today for some reason. I don't know. Mm. I don't. I don't know why. The reason I brought up the cold tub, by the way, Elijah Bryant tweeted uh, a a video of him dipping down into fifty five degree water, and he tweeted at uh, Kyle Collinsworth, Jimmer Fredette, Brandon Davies, myself, and Greg Rubel, and said, "Who's doing it next?" And the answer is not me. <laughs> but you're cold right now, so uh, yeah, we should not do that. That maybe probably- Spencer. How about Spencer? What about the, the like the cryo chamber that goes to like negative two hundred? I wouldn't mind going in that for a few minutes. I actually think that would be kind of fun to try. Fun's not the word I would use to describe it. <laughs> okay, but interesting. I agree with you. Interesting. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yes. We'll yes. see. We'll see. Exactly. Lots to discuss on this edition of BYU Sports Nation. So rise and shout. It's time for what's trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. Jason, I don't know if you knew this, but BYU went 4-9 in football last year. I've heard it. Uh, overhauled the offensive coaching staff. Now the Cougars are having a physical camp to install a new offense and figure out who the playmakers are. Here's Kalani Satake. You know, we're going to be down in numbers because injuries are going to happen, but we have to be physical and have to be able to simulate game type of, uh, of you know, game type environment. So that's what we're trying to do. And Yeah, and I've heard it. Quarterbacks were live again today, and some of them got hit hard, and that's that's just the risk we have to take right now. And the risk is injuries. So, right. Jason, is it in BYU's best interest to have physical spring practices? Look, I mean, nobody wants to see their, the team injured. The coaches don't want to see that happen, and there are a lot of injured players. There are a lot of guys being held out so that they don't get injured, but... I mean, it's certainly not something that you want to see, but I think the interesting part and probably the most important part that Kalani said was this is just what we feel we need to do. Like, this is, we've got to prepare these guys, and they're willing to take the risk. The good news is, the other part of what came out of practice yesterday was the fact that while there are a lot of injuries, all of these injuries are expected to be taken care of in, in the past by the time fall camp gets here. So it's nothing that's long-term. But overall, if the coaching staff feels this is necessary for this team to be prepared, then, then, then I'm okay with it. You don't want guys to be injured, but I understand where the coaching staff is coming from. The answer to this question is yes. It is in BYU's best interest. BYU's not trying to get injured. 
They're being physical to practice tackling, to find out who yeah. is physical. Injuries happen in football. We saw that more last season than maybe most in recent BYU history with 30-something injuries. The Cougars aren't trying to go get injured. They're trying to figure out what they can do to be their best selves. And if that means being physical and subsequently being injured, so be it. I'm, I'm not overly concerned by this. There's some rhetoric out there, hey, what's BYU doing, blah, blah. Is this much different from other spring footballs, one, BYU's had, or two, what other people are doing? It is not. I don't think so. No, it is not. And there's one group of people that know this team better than anybody else, and that's the coaches. And like I said, if they feel that this is what they need to do to get this team ready, then that's what they're going to do. Now, this season, if BYU piles up a similar amount of injuries, I'm not going to say it's a fluke. I'm going to say there's an issue with the system. But let's see it play out, and then we'll make an assessment. This spring, new offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes has generally, generally been pleased with what he's seen out of the offense. In fact, after most practices, we've heard that the offense won the day. But yesterday, a little different. After spring practice number 12, Coach Grimes was not happy. Not very good today. Uh, I thought we had a really good day last Wednesday. And most days, we've come out with, with, um, with a great attitude and, and um, at times have had better execution than others but today wasn't very good. You give guys four days off, that's sometimes the result. I challenged them this morning and uh, before we started and um, just didn't, didn't um, execute as well as we needed to today. So, Jerem, what is your reaction to Jeff Grimes' reaction? It means what? maybe the defense did something. Uh, we've been talking about how offensive uh, this has been you know, in terms of production from the offense. I think it's good to have some balance. I think if it was all offense all the time, I would have questions about the defense going into the season. Plus, it's spring ball. Like, take it with many grains of salt, like, uh, like you're prepping a good steak or something. Like, mm. th- it's sp- mm, Yes, yes. Uh, ribeye. Jeff Grimes being concerned about his offense is fine. He's the accountability guy. He's the bad cop. He's the stern guy. He's the guy with the deep voice. It's going to happen sometimes with the offense. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I have no problem with this whatsoever. I mean, it's the, it's the ebbs and flows of, of athletics. I mean, nobody's ever going to be at, at its peak Every day. I mean, well, Spencer is on the show. Well, but besides sorry, Spencer. Besides yeah. Spencer. Yeah, he's up here. I mean, you, you expect that. And, and, like, to your point, you know, you're looking for the defense to play better. And so it is kind of a give and take where, you know, we spent so much time talking about how great the offense was looking and how the defense was struggling. And now, you know, it, it's good to see. Yeah, it, it's just it. the way, especially yeah. over the course of a month. I mean, this is the final week of spring. You've been yes. doing this. You know, it's going to, by the time it's done, it'll be 15 practices. So, I mean, there's a lot of time for this to go up and down. The, the question um, that I think everyone's trying to answer, and, and it seems like everybody feels pretty good about the foundation that is being laid during spring and how that will help springboard them into the fall. If it's cracked, it might take 40 years to finish, though. That's the issue. <laughs> Fred Warner showed out well on BYU Football Pro Day Friday in preparation for the NFL draft last week, as seen on BYU TV. Now the Cougars look to replace Warner at the flash outside linebacker position. One candidate is converted safety Zane Anderson. Butch Pau had this to say about Anderson. For me, I feel like it's another Fred out there because he's so smart with where he needs to put himself when it comes to blitzing, how far he needs to be away from the line so he can get to the quarterback. And so I feel like I don't have to worry about Zane when, when I'm out there. So it's really nice. Well, well, well. Jason, what do you expect this season from Zane Anderson? I have pretty high 
expectations for Zane Anderson. I actually like him in this role. This is one of the guys that we have talked about since the position changes for a couple of different guys, whether it's Zane or Sione Takitaki, Austin Kofensis or whatever. You know, he was he's one of those guys we've talked about and and I put a I mean almost all the stock into what his teammates are saying. Okay. And all of his teammates love this. I mean, you hear from what Butch is talking about, talking about it's like another having another Fred out there in terms of knowing where to be. That's quite the statement. That, that's very that's very impressive. Im- I was trying to work in a Z. Impressive no, for Zane. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. no. Uh, that, was a, that was a fail. <laughs> you on have my other part. ones, though. Go ahead. I do have them. some other ones. There'll be many interceptions this year from <laughs> Zane. Uh, but I like the fact that uh, coming from, Come on. From, the, from the secondary... The secondary? No. Uh, no. All right, I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I'm stopping. Too much. Coming from the secondary, though, I love his ability, like Fred did, to be able to drop back into coverage. Yes. And so I I actually have high expectations. I, I, I like him in this role. And his teammates and his coaches are very high on him. Zane Anderson can play. Okay, He started at safety. He had some nice plays last year. My question is not whether he can cover. My question is whether he can stuff the run. Mm-hmm. Can he be a guy that's in the backfield? He's fast. He's a little lighter. He's listed at 205. We talked to him earlier in spring. He said he's up to 215. I don't know that a 215-pound linebacker can handle the likes of the schedule that BYU's got consistently without being injured at some point. So I have some physical concerns for Zane, given how light he is as a linebacker. But I don't doubt that he can move around quickly. It's when the pulling right guard is coming at him on the near side on third and one. Can he dodge the guy and make a play? I hope that he can, but physically that's going to be tough in the run game at times. But I'm, I'm with you. I expect Zane to have a good season, and I hope that he uh, can be Fred Light. He's not going to be Fred. Can he be Fred Light? We shall see. We discussed on the show yesterday that Gonzaga was not going to go to the Mountain West Conference next season. Wait, it was actually made official by the Zags yesterday. They finally said something. We're not going anywhere. And now comes this little bit of news. CBS Sports' uh, John Rothstein came out with his way too early top 25 for next season. It's not too early. It's perfect. And guess who's number five, Jerem? I'm guessing Gonzaga. That would be the Zags. Jerem, are you sure that you're glad Gonzaga's coming back to the WCC? Okay, I didn't realize that I would feel this way until this happened. I'm actually disappointed Gonzaga's back in the league. I'm burdened by the Zags because... It's hard to believe that a conference championship, either in the regular season or the tournament, will happen when Gonzaga's there. This isn't the Mountain West where BYU every year had a shot to win the league. Does BYU have a shot to win the league? Yeah, but not really. Gonzaga is dominant. They're the only team in the, in the NCAA to make the Sweet 16 the last four years. They went to the Final Four last year. They're on another level from everyone in the West but Arizona. In fact, you could argue Gonzaga's the best team in the West. It's nothing against BYU. It's, ev- it's just everybody else. So I, they're number five. They are what they are. I respect the heck out of them. Everyone else is playing for second, frankly. And I think you've said this multiple times. I don't know if you've said it on air, but I think you have. Uh-oh. Talking about this being the the best of times for Gonzaga basketball. Oh, yeah. Like, Spencer like, talked about the golden era. Yeah, right the now. golden era. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is something... Like, this is not a team that falls off the map. Not only do they not fall off the map, they don't fall out of the top 25. They go to the Sweet 16. They go to the Sweet 16. They go to the national championship game. Now, obviously not every year. But when you look at, and again, the way too early predictions, but the fact that they're looked at as a team that could be the fifth 
best team in college basketball next year. They lose Silas Melson and Jonathan Williams. And all they do is replace those guys with really good players. They're what BYU wants to be. Yeah. So they are. Yeah. And 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 we're sure that we wanted them back, right? <laughs> Maybe the Mountain West Conference thing will happen it, next year. In no, two years. No, Who knows? It ain't happening. Hey, last night Villanova capped off March Madness with a convincing 79-62 win over Michigan for the national championship. Congratulations to Nova, two and three years. Wildcats were led by bench player Dante DiVincenzo, who scored a title game record 31 points as a non-starter. Jason, what's the greatest performance from a player off the bench in BYU sports history? All right, there are, there are several. Do I have to pick, like, the number one, or can I just give you a couple of options? I have an opinion on this opinion show. All right, fine. I, and this may sound like recency bias. I, I'm going with Tanner Mangum. Oh, that's a great one. I'm going with Tanner Mangum at Nebraska. That's a great one. The guy had been home from his mission for a month. I mean, like, it was still awkward to talk to people. His helmet didn't even fit. <laughs> well, his helmet didn't fit for a while. But, <laughs> but it fit now? To come into a game one month off of your mission when, when Taysom got hurt at Nebraska. It might have been two, but whatever. And come in and perform the way he – I'm not even talking about just the Hail Mary at the end. But to be as efficient and move the football like he did, and then the Hail Mary to make one of the greatest plays in BYU football history, yeah, I'm going with, uh, with Tanner Mangum. To me, that's the third greatest play in BYU history. Okay. Mary and 80, back to Harleen, mm-hmm. and that one. Okay. Those were great plays. I'm going to go with one off the board, but BYU TV bias. I'm going with Blaine Fowler. Yeah. BYU's undefeated. They're playing for a national championship in the 1984 Holiday Bowl. Blaine Fowler comes in. He moved the chains. He never scored. BYU never scored. Uh, but he moved the chains, bought some time. Robbie Bosco got back in there, made the game-winning throw to Kelly Smith in the end zone, and BYU ends up winning the national championship. If Blaine Fowler comes in and throws picks or goes three and out a couple of times, we may not be talking about a national championship for BYU ever. That was the most clutch performance from a bench player in BYU history. My, uh, a few other thoughts. Riley Nelson, 2011. Mm-hmm. Utah State comes off the bench for Jay Keeps. That was the end of Jay Keeps, essentially, uh, against Utah State. Uh, the, the tip to Marcus Matthews. That was an elite play by a Matthews. It was fantastic. <laughs> what and, a- and then Michael Lloyd Jr., yep. NCAA Tournament, 2010. Uh, in Oklahoma City against Florida the first time, 26 off the bench in an OT win. Uh, what about McKay Cannon this year, UVU? Of all time? No, I'm just saying, look at the circumstance. I'm not saying it's the number one, but that was pretty impressive. The guy had it to drive himself over to the game. He wasn't even allowed on the bus. about that? It's four miles away. <laughs> he didn't he, even. He, he probably did, was at Krispy Kreme anyway. He didn't even know he was going to get to play and then comes off the bench for 17? Listen, that was a good Why performance. Why am I yelling so much? It's not. It's not one of the greatest performances from a bench No, but I'm going to give BYU a shout-out to McKay Cannon. It was a good one. It doesn't belong in this convo. Our question of the day, by the way, what's the greatest performance from a player off the bench in BYU history? At CL underscore living. Tanner Mangum for a Hail Mary in Lincoln, Nebraska. That is, that is one of the greatest. Like, he comes in, chucks it deep, and it's caught in the end zone. Like, incredible. Incredible. Yeah, it's... That Tanner Mangum came off the bench for that. And think, think about that, too. It's not just that he has to throw the Hail Mary. It's that he has to get BYU in a position to do that. And the emotional nature of, oh my goodness, Taysom Hill got hurt again from everybody. (laughs) Everybody but one person had to be, I mean, he had to be the most composed person 
among everyone from BYU because he's the one that had to make the plays. I happened to be on a flight during that game and watched it on the flight. I got in my car towards the end. When that play happened, I screamed so loud I scared my children. (laughs) That's what dads do. Coming up, could BYU men's volleyball secure the number one seed in the MPSF tourney? Question mark. Yes, and tight end coach Steve Clark will join us. How is Matt Bushman playing? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU and Utah, that's right, you heard it. They square off tonight in baseball, this time in Salt Lake City. BYU beat Utah back in Provo on the 20th of March. You can listen to tonight's game at 8 p.m. Eastern time on BYU Radio. That was a memorable one. Yes, it was. Extra innings. A wild pitch walk-off. That was that was crazy. It was man. awesome. I was uh, I was privileged to be on the call on that one, and it was three <laughs> hours and forty five minutes of awesome, man. It was fun. Yeah, was that fun. was that was a lot of fun. Listen to it tonight on BYU Radio. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Follow us on Twitter at BYU Sports Nation. So on this Instagram and Facebook, use the hashtag BYUSN to weigh in on today's question of the day. What's the greatest performance from a player off the bench in BYU history? At Twiggy Stone, Mangum comes to mind as the most recent. Showed poise in a tough situation. Uncle B also did not throw an interception in the Holiday Bowl. So that is something. Indeed, it is something. It is. It, that, you cannot argue. It is something. I want to hear non-Tanner Mangum responses to this because that is an obvious one. I want to hear what other people have I to think say. we should have Uncle B chime in on the program like via Twitter because I know he's all about the tweets right now. Yeah. Get his thoughts on being involved in this. Some, somebody text him. Hey, BYU is known as QBU, but it might as well be tight end you. As well, with alums like Clay Brown, Gordon Hudson, Chris Smith, Dennis Pitta, fine, I'll mention him, and many more. <laughs> this season, the Cougars boast what helps to be a really good group with Matt Bushman, Moroni Laulu-Pututau, Joe Tukuafu, and company. Their coach is Steve Clark, who chatted with Spencer and Jason after practice yesterday. Coach, final week of spring football. At this point, how close are you as a position group, as a tight ends coach, to where you want to be going into the long off season? I think knowing the scheme, we're right where we want to be. Health-wise, we're not. We're not. So, uh, you know, I think keeping guys healthy is going to be key for us. How do you handle that? Because that's frustrating. Well, you yell at them and say, tape it up and get back in there. <laughs> Does that work? No. <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, ha- well, you know, it's, it's the, the, the mantra everybody uses now, next man up, next guy's got to be ready. So... We, we put the next guy in there. It's given the guys um, chances that, to play more than maybe they would have. What do you think of the, the depth? Maybe not just to even at, just at your position, but just the depth overall of this, of this offense. There are, there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of depth in the, in the playmaking areas. There's depth at running back. There's depth at receivers. So um, there's, there's, there's great depth. And if we get, you know, if we get guys back healthy, we'll, we'll have plenty of depth too, which makes it more uh, competitive and that's what you want. Moroni Laulupututau is a guy that sat out all of last year with an injury. Uh, where is he in his return and, and his progression? He's right over there. <laughs> He's right there. He's that's, right that's, there. That's where he is. Big number 17. <laughs> um, we're very cautious with him. I think he could do more, but, you know, when he when he hurt his foot last year, all he did all he did was step. So we're being real cautious with him. He could do some maybe some seven on seven stuff, but um, we're we're slowly slowly bringing him back. 
How would you evaluate the tight ends at this point with one week to go in spring? Uh, very happy with them. They all have things they need to work on, though. And, and we go over each day. We, we put up on the board what they're going to work on that day. So some things keep repeating themselves. So as far as knowing the scheme, and, and, and you, I don't know if you've been around, you've seen it's a very complex scheme. Sometimes they're playing tackle. So mentally they, they know what they're doing now. We just got to get them physically physically right, get them stronger, bigger, stronger. Some of them need to lose weight. Um but um, I'm very happy with where they are, and I think Coach Grimes is too. Matt Bushman's coming off a freshman All-American season, and sometimes that gets to a guy's head, and it might make them their e- grow their ego, if you will. He doesn't seem like that type of player. Oh, he doesn't to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what do you what do you hear from Matt Bushman in uh, his no, sophomore just, campaign? What do, what do I want from him? What do you yeah what, what do you what do you expect from him? Uh, you know I want him to play within the, the system that which is a different system. Last year it, it was kind of uh, catered to to his strength, and where I don't think it'll be that catered to him. He's going to have to play with his hand on the ground um, to be to be uh, uh, a factor. Um, so. Um, we know he can catch the ball. Um, we know he, he's got great, great speed and great hands. Now he's got a he's got a block. What has been the biggest hurdle for you to overcome, or the biggest uh, transition from last year's staff to this year's staff with the new scheme and the new coaching staff? The biggest hurdle, probably the the, the terminology. That that's been the hardest. Just changing the terminology, and there's so many shifts and motions and. Um, you know, it takes 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 a little time. They they've actually picked it up very well, though. I'm very pleased with how they've done it. You know, one of the things that in talking with other position coaches, coordinators, it, it seemed like uh, one of the things everybody has really loved about the offensive side is that everybody's had an input. Everybody's been able to. Certainly, Coach Grimes comes with an idea, but you guys have all been able to make your own suggestions. Hey, this has worked for us. How big of a deal is that for you as a coach to be able to have that type of input? Well, really, he told me to go sit in the corner and be quiet. It was, it was, it was everybody but me. No, I, you know, it just makes you. He wants it to be our offense, and he says the first thing he said: "This is going to be our offense. It's not going to be my offense." That that way, you know, you're you're more bought in. There, you have uh, a vested interest in seeing the, the 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 offense do well when something that you've contributed is being put out there. So. You know, it's just it's just to get more skin in the game and, and, and work to make it happen. I've been places where they've thrown down the playbook and said, here it is, learn it, and he's not that way. So, uh, But he is the final say. So when there is, uh, uh, you know, a decision that needs to be made, he's the one that makes it. Coach, uh, you're the lone holdover from the offensive staff into this new scheme, and so much has been put on, hey, forget about what happened in the past. But you're the guy that lived it and experienced it. So how do you balance that that mental battle of forgetting what happened in the past and just trying to move on? Well, it's it's difficult. Um, but with so many new coaches in the room, it, it is like I, I moved on to. I mean, and with a new offensive system, uh, it it has been good. There still is a bad taste in the mouth, and you know I can't wait to get the season going to try to get that out um, because it constantly well it nags at you, and it, and it's and it's hard that way, but. You know, it's been, you know, Coach Grimes has said, you know, we're not talking about last year. We're not talking about what players did last year. We're not talking about what coaches did last year. We're moving forward, and it's a clean slate. And I think it's helped a lot of players. 
did you did you keep the same office or did you did you upgrade offices in the off season? No, they said that's the smallest office. <laughs> and that's why you get it. I'm honest. I didn't. That's 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 the small. I'm in the smallest office. <laughs> That's messed up, Steve. I know. Can you do something about yeah, it? Can somebody say something about that? Let's campaign for no, Steve I, Clark I, to upgrade the office. I kept, I kept my office. <laughs> <laughs> I kept my job in my office. I'm, and I'm very thankful to be here. And I'm very thankful that Kalani and blessed that Kalani let me stay. So. Coach, it's great to have you. Uh, always a pleasure. The most underrated sense of humor on the BYU football staff. Underrated? Yeah. That's right. Underrated. <laughs> Appreciate greatness, people. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. You're welcome. BYU football spring camp all access. Steve Clark, a character. Can we get the man a bigger office? I don't. That's not a question for us. Jerem, can you make this happen? No. You, can you that's pull? a question for Kalani Satake and company. <laughs> a question for us? I really enjoyed talking with Steve yesterday. He's great. At least he has his own office. You know what I mean? It's true. That's a blessing. It's true. That's great. That's great. I enjoy our office because you, I'll... Spencer, and I, yeah, Sharon, I, I enjoy our work. We have a, a very, we have a very fun uh, office. It's... Yes, I like shooting on the hoop on the door to relax a little bit. <laughs> you great. do. If you've ever wondered what Jerem does to, like, no one just has to kind of, you know, release some of that energy, <laughs> he plays one on one basketball with a with a Nerf hoop. We can play some NBA Jam if we need, you know, that's more summer. We're busy, but yeah. The tight end position is an intriguing one because whenever BYU's had a successful offense, the tight end has, has played a major role in that. I'm like the entire history of BYU football from, from the beginning to now, from Phil Odell all the way up to recently, you know, with Matt Bushman. If is going to have success on offense, I think the tight end needs to be involved. And there's some talent in that position. Yes. Matt Bushman, we all know. Moroni Laulu Pututau can play a major role in this. Offense. Well, and as we've talked about, the implementation of more tight ends was was expected to be last year, and then injuries, yes. and then injuries. MLP and took Tukuafu, that out of there. Tukuafu had to redshirt. Yes. Utah State didn't get a release. So, so now you're looking at this year. You know, getting to the point where they were hoping to get last year with the tight ends, and that's getting them involved a lot. Yes, which I think we all agree. We like. Coming up, we're talking Tiger Woods, y'all. Our good friend Jeff Benedict, he co-wrote a book about Tiger. And Jeff will join us coming up a little bit later on in the program. But first, we go between the lines with Lauren McClain. It's March Mayhem, the championship ping pong game. And Lauren's dancing, as always. Welcome back. Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. We're also on demand. Welcome back. BYU Sports Nation. Uh, we just chatted with Steve Clark, the tight ends coach. We're going to talk with Jeff Benedict coming up uh, in a bit about his new book about Eldrick Tiger Woods. But first, let's get to today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's your BYU Sports Nation headline. BYU football held spring practice number 12 yesterday. Spring game is scheduled for Saturday, but Coach Satake says the team may be limited because of injuries. We're kind of down in numbers because we had such a physical spring camp, but um, we'll see what we can do. I, I know we'll have to do some live situations, but we don't have the numbers to split completely into two teams right now. And um, So we'll, we'll have scrimmage and do some live work and be tackling. And Whether the quarterbacks will be live or not, I don't know, but we've done it four times this year, so fifth time might be a charm for us too. The Cougars will continue practicing this week and wrap up on Saturday, and then uh, we'll see them in fall camp. And then 
Then the season's on, baby. Then the season. Countdown time? No? Nope. Nope. No No. countdown. No. All right. BYU baseball plays Utah tonight at Smith's Ballpark in Salt Lake City. The Cougars beat the Utes 7-6 in Provo back on March 20th in walk-off fashion. You can listen live tonight on BYU Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Amen to that. Cougar men's volleyball remains number two in the ABCA coaches poll in spite of splitting last week. BYU faces number four Pepperdine and number five UCLA on the road this week. The Cougars need one win in one of the two matches to secure the number one seed in the MPSF tournament, thanks to USC's win over UCLA. That's right. On Saturday. And BYU softball takes on in state rival Utah State tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern time on the Mountain West Network. Not to be confused with, with the Mountain. The Mountain. Yeah. What? Bad memories from a decade ago. Well, last night, March Madness came to a close as Villanova topped Michigan in the championship game of the NCAA tournament. Now it's time to determine a winner in our Mayhem in March ping pong tournament. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines. We started with eight athletes, and now we're down to just two. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the final matchup of Mayhem in March. Ping pong like you've never seen it before. We have the number one seed, Mary Lake, versus the number two seed, Storm Fagata Tufuga. What do you want to accomplish in this final matchup? I don't know when. Okay, the man of few words. Mary, a word of advice. When you're scared to compete, don't say that you're scared to compete. <laughs> this will destroy me if I lose. Turn it inside. Okay. All right, people, this is the moment everyone has been waiting for. Number two <laughs> versus number one. Oh, you go back. Oh, she's going off the seat. Back, Twice. Back. Twice in the same round. Oh, hey, Mary Lee. Mary Lee. And she has a good time doing it, is which is why she's a fan favorite. Storm is backed up because Mary is getting everything back. Storm gets his first point of the match. And she is like a brick wall. He dummy killed and then he went for the actual kill and it backfired. These rallies are unlike anything we've ever seen. He's telling his fans to be quiet. Oh, and Mary goes off the table. 5 3. Oh! Stormfog got us up 6 5. It's three straight for Storm. You'll, you'll notice that Mary always knows the score and calls it out confidently. Oh, no. It's tied 7 7. Nope. It is 8 6. There really is no right or reason to have the things we've been doing in this entire tournament. Oh, no! <laughs> Storm up big, 13-6 in the championship match. Okay, some life yet. Oh! Okay, Mary Lake has won five of the last six points. All of a sudden, it's 16-11. 18-13 for Storm. Five got the two. Ooh, that's 19 for Storm, 13 for Mary Everyone makes a run. And look at the determination in Mary Lake's eyes. She wants this badly. 
Again, a four-point game. 20 to 16. Championship point. Championship point. Championship point, everybody. Oh, oh, she gets it. Oh, she's still in it. She's still in it. That defensive specialty coming out in her. Outstanding, outstanding match. Outstanding match. Storm Fagata Tufuga. Could everybody give it up for the champion right here? It is not an easy thing to outplay Mary Lake, who is a defensive specialist. How did you get it done? Offense. (laughs) My goodness, the man of few words. Did you implement actual procedures (laughs) that you deal with in the heat of competition? Yes. Tracking. The ball knows angles. Two is nothing to be sorry about, Mary. You should be happy. <laughs> no, I'm great. Filled. That was awesome. Congratulations. There's a lot of pride and honor that you can take back to your family and to the men's volleyball team. Everyone put your hands in. There we go. Come on. One, two, three. Go Hoos! Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Is that not the best graphic you've ever seen? The confetti coming out. Storm is proof that you don't have to be a man of a lot of words and be a great ping pong player. How did you win? Offense. Offense. Okay, anyway. Which side anyway. of the ball you, do you want to play on football? Offense. <laughs> yeah. I love interviewing Storm. It's wonderful. Anyway, thank you everyone for participating. Everyone did phenomenal. Next week on Between the Lines, we're going to play I Got Game with Jill Van Mierlo from Gymnastics Team and... What's her fiance's name? Rory. 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 Linklitter. Rory. Rory. They yeah. are recently engaged. and uh, That's right. And the number one power yes, couple at see. BYU at the Wirewoods. Were they the number one? I they was were. actually yes. going to ask you they about that. They complained so much that we awarded them number one. I mean, they <laughs> earned it. They've been complaining for like four years. Something like if that. If we've yeah. learned anything then is if you don't get something, just complain until you do. No, seriously. Most people just <laughs> most people just Great concede because the they story. don't want to hear from you anymore. <laughs> Anyways, I'm really impressed by uh Storm's game. Also, Mary Lake, she's legit on defense. Like she is really legit. Like some of her libero skills translate. I saw her last week in the Smithfield house and I said, one, thanks for sh- shouting out to me uh-huh. on the show I'm already on. I really appreciate that. <laughs> and two, I said don't tell me what happens, but I can't wait for that. <laughs> so she's the runner-up. Did she give it away that she lost, though, because no, she was... No, she didn't. She didn't? No. Oh. I said, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Way to go, Mary. I'm the spoiler-free uh, guy. I'm like, no, 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 no. She's really competitive. She was upset that she lost. You can tell a competitor. She's a competitor. But, uh, they're all, they're all she competitors, yeah. Nobody wants to yeah, lose. Yeah, they're not going to have a D1 scholarship if they're like, I don't care about this. <laughs> I like, lost. This is cool. Whatever. Meanwhile, their face is really red. I want to do blood. this again with something even more obscure and see if they're still that competitive, like mm. shuffleboard or something. Yes. Wouldn't that Cornhole be awesome? Or something. Yeah. Cornhole. Cornhole. Cornhole would be awesome. Yes, yeah, horseshoes. Yes. Awesome. Next year. So March Mayhem is wrapped up. We yes. appreciate the time, Lauren. Thanks, guys. March Mayhem, between the lines, very nice. What's the greatest performance from a player off the bench in BYU history is our question of the day. Would have been fun to see a bench player go in there and win that. Then that might have been <laughs> the thing. At Cougar Stats, John Walsh threw for 439 yards and five touchdowns and just over a half of work against Fresno State in 1993. That's incredible. That's incre- I, didn't, I didn't know that one. That's incredible. What were you doing in 93? I was living in... Where was I living? I don't even remember. Portland? Portland, Oregon. Portland, just hanging out in Portland. I thought I might be in the Couve, Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> That's
Let's go way back. 1993, John Walsh. That's impressive, though. That Coming up, cool. where is BYU women's golf after two rounds at the Brezzy Challenge? That's and later Jeff in the whip. Benedict on his Tiger Woods book. It's coming up. Between the Lines is brought to you by Tim Daly Nissan. Think Nissan. Think Tim Daly Southtown. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU baseball heading to Salt Lake City tonight. They'll be facing the University of Utah. You can listen live on BYU Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Jeremy Jason live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. If you missed the show at noon Eastern, no worries. Check out the rebroadcast at 6 Eastern on BYU TV. Our question of the day, what's the greatest performance from a player off the bench in BYU history at Laser Sheep? Maybe not the best, but the one that stuck with me was Lamont Morgan Jr. versus San Diego State during Jimmer's uh, mono catastrophe. <laughs> I've never heard that. Jimmer had mono for like a couple <laughs> weeks, and he was out. LMJ made things happen late, including two big dunks and a gritty OT performance and a sad loss to the Aztecs. I'll never forget. We, uh, we saw Lamont Morgan Jr. in Las Vegas at the West Coast Conference Tournament, which was great. It was great to see him. Keep uh, using the hashtag BYUSN on Twitter and on Instagram and whatnot, at Jelly Belly Kelly. Mangum at Nebraska, not just because I will never get tired of rewatching that video, but also because that win inspired me to start watching BYU Sports Nation. Oh. There you go. I've, I've actually had the opportunity to meet Jelly Belly Kelly. What do you think? Very nice. She came, a in, took a, BYU she came in and took a picture here on the set, oh, actually. Oh, that's cool. Yes. That's really cool. That's really cool. Keep the, uh, the tweets coming. At 86WI Coop. I'm going old school, but how about Mark Wilson? First game start after uh, Gifford Nielsen, now Elder S. Gifford Nielsen, <laughs> blows out knee. He tosses seven touchdowns on 15 of 25 for 332 yards. That would have been in 1978. Now, that wasn't off to mention a game, but the next game, now, now, what you didn't mention is that the next game he threw six picks. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not <laughs> focusing on that part. Okay, that's not being. Now, we mentioned uh, one Blaine Fowler earlier in the broadcast yes. as somebody that deserves to be on this list. Yes, if you would think anybody in this world would say Blaine Fowler, you would probably say his family members. Correct. Uh, you would think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gavin. Gavin. What does Gavin think. Uh, Gavin is not going that direction. At Gavin Fowler sixteen. Gav. Gavin goes with Riley Nelson against Utah State in twenty eleven. Right, that's funny that he doesn't go with his dad. Oh my god! There may be a talking to a little bit later yeah, on. Yeah, it's like, son, you, you know you gotta you gotta help me out a little bit here. Another great performance, although not off the bench, was Mike Weir, former Cougar, in the 2003 Masters as he won the green jacket, making BYU fans very proud. Now, 15 years later, Tiger Woods is back in the Masters. A new book is out named Tiger Woods, and Jeff Benedict, co-author of this book, now joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Jeff, thanks for joining the program. It's been a while. Hey, guys. It's good to be back. Okay, you have a new book out. We're very excited about it. Uh, Tiger Woods, and extremely timely given kind of his comeback and now Masters Week. Uh, what, what made you and Armin Katayan choose to do your next project on, uh, on Eldrick Tiger Woods? Hmm. Well, that decision was made three years ago, so nobody could have foreseen then what would be happening now. Um, but three years ago, it was not long after we finished the system, or the system came out, we were trying to figure out what to do next. And the idea to do his book was basically based on the idea that 
he was, you know, he's one of the most famous people in the world. Uh, people know him around the globe by one word. There aren't many people you can say that about. Uh, and he had a, a life that was just very sequestered. He'd been super obsessed with privacy, and we just thought there's probably a lot there um, and a fantastic backstory. The question was trying to figure out not whether to do it, but how to do it. Um, the idea of doing it seemed great from the moment, you know, it, it, it actually wasn't our idea. Our literary agent was the one who came up with it, and he proposed it to us, and we both thought, you know, what a great idea. I can't believe nobody else has thought of that. Um, but, you know, immediately we started thinking, how would we do this? Because we we figured from the outset that Tiger probably wouldn't be cooperative on something like this. And so uh, a lot of thought went into the, you know, the way to go about the book. Well, with that in mind, then, what type of access did you have to stories about Tiger then? Well, uh, we spent three years on it. So that's a lot of time to, you know, we did over 400 interviews with um roughly 250 people. We uh, we were able to get to just about everybody you can think of, from his first girlfriend to his kindergarten teacher to his elementary school principal to his neighbors to his first swing coach to, you know, someone who chauffeured him around in the car, the guy who taught him how to scuba dive, the, the woman who owned the house he stayed in in Augusta. We basically just went point by point through his life and tried to find people who had intimate access to him at the different points along the way and uh, who could really tell us the stories that, that no one had ever told before. A lot of people that we interviewed had never spoken before about their experiences with Tiger. Now, obviously, we also interviewed people like his swing coach, Butch Harmon and Hank Haney. We interviewed Charles Barkley. We interviewed Mark O'Meara. We had to interview all those people because those people had big parts of his life, too. But it was finding people that had never talked before and had intimate exposure with Tiger. That's that's where the real gold was in terms of uh, the research we did for the biography. His name's Jeff Benedict. He's the co-author of the new book, Tiger Woods. Uh, check it out now. Uh, Jeff, what did you learn about Tiger Woods that you didn't know already? A loaded question. Well, I only knew what most, you know, sports fans or golf fans knew about him, which is the surface stuff. Um, obviously, I knew he was the best golfer, the most talented golfer who's ever played the game. I knew about his tournament achievements and the drama and uh, his relationship with Nike and all that. And obviously knew about the unfortunate personal things that happened in his life starting in 2009. Everybody knows that. What I didn't know was I didn't know his backstory. I didn't know um, I didn't know why those things happened. I didn't know why he was such a great golfer, and I didn't know why his life uh, went off the rails in 2009. And the job of a biographer is not so much to tell a reader what happened, but to explain why it happened. And that's you know really what we set out to do. You talk in the book uh, about Tiger growing up and obviously the relationship that he had with his mom and his dad and how integral they were in his life. Hmm. Do you believe Tiger would have been Tiger without his mom and dad being who they were? Of course not. Uh, of course not. I mean, it's uh, everybody to one degree or another is a byproduct of the family they grow up in and the parenting that they experience. And he's no different in that regard. What makes him unique is that uh, Tiger was clearly born with some innate gifts. 
Um, he is a, you know, I say freak of nature in a, not in a pejorative way, but in a complimentary way. Um, but on top of that, he was, he grew up in a house where golf was king. It was, it was the religion, it was the family, it was the politics, it was, everything revolved around golf. And uh, so when you combine the innate gifts that I think he was born with and the nurturing that was done in that house, uh, some would say it was more than nurturing. I mean, it was intense. This was a house where uh, golf was uh, treated very intensely. And Tiger grew Tiger's an intense guy. And uh, when he gets on the course, and we've seen this particularly when he was in his prime, that his ability to block out, to shut out, and close down everything that's going around him, the hype, the fans, the noise, the camera, the competitors, the, the expectations, and, and go out there like a cold-blooded assassin, which is what his father called him and trained him to be, um, all, that's the kind of stuff that stems from what went on in, in their little raised ranch in Cypress, California. We're talking about the new book, Tiger Woods, with co-author Jeff Benedict, friend of the program. What do you think the lasting legacy of Tiger Woods will be? Well, I mean, the last, you know, he still has chapters to write in his life. Uh, he's going to write one this weekend at Augusta. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, everything about him has been um, he's always done things bigger, better, grander than anybody else. Um, and so who knows what the future holds for him. But if he stays healthy, this fusion surgery that he's had on his spine appears to have worked. Um, he appears to be not battling pain like he had in his other comeback attempts. Um, he's playing better than he has in a long, long time. But maybe more important than all that is he looks happier than than we've ever seen him. I mean, that smile on his face when he's walking around the course is genuine. He's engaged with people in ways that he never has before. He's a healthier man both physically and mentally uh, perhaps than he's ever been, and he's in control of his own narrative for the first time. So, you know, if he stays healthy, I would say, you know, the potential for him to co- to return to doing great things is definitely there. Well, speaking of doing great things, what do you think is reasonable to expect this week at, at the Masters? Well, Tiger's lived with great expectations since he was a little kid. And, you know, the idea that the odds makers in Las Vegas are picking him to be the favorite to win when he's only played in a few tournaments uh, since coming back from four back surgeries, on the one hand, that seems ridiculous to, to put that kind of expectation on his shoulders. But if there's anybody who can carry that kind of expectation, it's him. I think he thrives off it. Um, he, he loves the challenge and the pressure. Um, he deals with it better than other people do. And so I, I don't like to make predictions about sports um, because you're usually wrong. But um, I certainly would love to see him in the hunt on Sunday afternoon. Well, Jeff, we appreciate the time. We're excited to uh, hear about this book being made into a documentary as well. And uh, we look forward to that. Thanks for the time, Jeff. All right. Thanks, guys. That's Jeff Benedict, co-author of the book Tiger Woods on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Today, by the way, El Tigre will play a practice round with Fred Couples, uh, Thomas Peterson, Phil Mickelson. So is he back is the question. A lot of people think a fascinating look into his life. He's certainly playing well right now. One of the most interesting things that that I, I really latch onto is 
why people became who they are. Yes. And, and the, the backstory, that. yes, that absolutely dives into that for and Tiger. There's a lot there with Tiger. Absolutely. Man. Coming up, BYU men's volleyball needs to win one of its final two matches this week to earn the number one seed. We'll get to that in the whip. That's going to happen. And it's a ball night in Salt Lake City for the Batcats. It's all in the whip coming up on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's guests, Steve Clark, Lauren McLean, and Jeff Benedict. If you missed any of today's show, download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Coming up this week, we go two-on-one with the one and only Matt Bushman. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. The Cougars held spring football practice number 12 yesterday. BYU will wrap up spring ball Saturday with a scrimmage at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Baseball. Batcats play Utah tonight in Salt Lake City. The Cougars beat the Utes 7-6 in Provo on March 20th in a walk-off wild pitch. Listen live tonight on BYU Radio at 8 Eastern. Softball. The Cougars take on in-state rival Utah State. You can check that out on the Mountain West Network. On the mountain? At 8 p.m. Eastern. Huh? Volleyball. On the Mountain West Network. Not the mountain? Not Not the the mountain. mountain. Okay. Not. BYU remains number two in the ABCA coaches poll. The Cougars face number four Pepperdine, number five UCLA on the road this week. Cougars need one win to secure the number one seed in the tournament. Golf. Currently, the women's golf is currently fifth place after two rounds at the Brizzy Challenge and will play the third and final round today. Rose Huang leads BYU and is currently tied for eighth. Today's Rise and Shout is brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. When you need it most, DexterLaw.com. Who gets it, Jason? How about we give it to Storm? Okay, why, why Storm? Because he won. Uh, was it his offense or is his defense that was better? Uh, it was both. It was offense. It's defense. It's both. <laughs> Storm, uh, in in an effort to use his energy judiciously, chooses to jump forty five inches in the air with all that energy instead of elongated center. No, 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 no. Like it's like it's in reserve. He's he's yeah. not going to waste that. He doesn't waste his breath, unlike one particular hothead <laughs> on this set, myself. <laughs> Every day on this show. Our question of the day, what's the greatest performance from a player off the bench in BYU history? Elite tweet of the day at Kiwi Jackman. How about Cosmo? That guy was the t-shirt tosser, came in and saved the halftime show. And Christmas! Hmm. Conversation continuing 24-7 on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN, the show on demand, BYUSN.com. Audio podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and the TuneIn app. For Jason Shepard, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Tom Ladd. BYU Sports Nation, back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern time.